This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of all things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids, the podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Today, we are not going to Mr. Jeff's favorite place. We're going to Mr. Jeff's second favorite, but that is super cool because it is Miss Jennifer's favorite place on Earth. It certainly is. So what problem are we solving today? How can we help the world's oceans? How can we help the world's oceans? What a fabulous question. And I can't wait for this discussion. Who is our guest today, Jeff? It is never a bad day to talk about the oceans and how we can help them. And we have the perfect guest today for that. We have Mr. Steve Creech, the president of the Wyland Foundation. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's great to be here. <laughs> We are excited to have you because your organization does so many amazing things for the ocean. But what I want to know is, have you always loved the ocean as a kid? Were you an outdoor kid? Yes and yes. I grew up up in Los Angeles, but I didn't get to the beach that often. We were kind of inland, but I loved Jacques Cousteau and I loved National Geographic and I loved animals and I loved, I read everything I'd get my hands on and I was completely fascinated and consumed by the natural world. And I was a geek. I was that kid that would. <laughs> oh, good. You, yeah, and... you have fellow geek people here. <laughs> yes. Awesome. You're yeah, among friends. I was a geek and I would sit with a pile of books around me, picture books, and I would look at everything and I just loved it. So that's kind of what I'm all about. And then I used to read Scholastic Magazine. I'm sure your listeners probably as well. And I was struck by some of the pictures that I saw. And now I'm I'm an older guy now, but this was (laughs) in the 1970s. And at that time, you would see things like factories dumping oil and waste and trash into okay. rivers and it would come out of pipes and it would be really black and yucky and disgusting and stinky and all those things. And I would see this in Scholastic Magazine and I would wonder how anybody could let this happen. Yes. And, you know, right. as an adult, I found out the reasons why people could let this happen. <laughs> yes. But as a kid... It raised a lot of questions because I had a father who was an artist and a mother who was a social worker. And so we had a a certain kind of value set. And it was really based on, you know, my parents were always pointing out the beautiful parts of nature and these things that we care about so much. Right. So as you can imagine, here I was when I was a seven-year-old kid and I would look at Scholastic Magazine and I would see all of the damage that was being done to our environment. And I would hear about things like rivers catching on fire 
And yep. in Los Angeles at that time, that. we had something called third degree smog alerts. And I don't know if that yeah, happens yeah. these days with kids, but back then, cars were a lot dirtier. So in yes. Los Angeles, we would see in summer, the sky would be just thick brown with smog, which was pollutants, wow. and you couldn't breathe or they wouldn't let you go out for recess on some days. And so all these things kind of added up when I was a kid and it made me think about what I could do yes. or how anything okay. could be done to begin right. with. So there was a whole lot of things swirling around my world. And then, like I said, the places where I grew up in LA, there were, you know, there were, it was a suburban area and right. my dad worked in a factory. And so I got to know a different side of, I guess, of Los Angeles than what you might read in books and things like that. But <laughs> but then later on, friend of the family took me backpacking up to the High Sierras and wow. which is okay. a mountain range in California that a lot yeah. of kids may not know about, but it's a lot like the Rockies or the Alps. And and it's just six hours north of where we lived. And I got up there where there were these snow peak mountains and beautiful, pristine. Wow creeks and rivers and lakes that were sky blue and you could see to the bottom of it and beautiful rainbow trout. And I asked my friend, I'm like, where, why has nobody told me about this? You know, close <laughs> to our house. They said, what is going on? I, how is this even possible that this place existed? So that kind of became how my start and how I got into the environment to begin with. I was a right wasn't the greatest student, but I wasn't a bad student. And in college, I got a D in biology. And <laughs> I just, I had the interest, but I wasn't quite connecting the dots. So, yeah. but then, uh, you know, I got involved in, I became a journalist and a newspaper reporter and I wow, okay. raised my hand to do the environment stories. And okay. it was just something I always, always gravitated to. And so that, that kind of led to this. And so I met Wyland and then I said, Hey, I love what you're doing. I love how you connect with people, right. work that you do with kids and painting and your murals. And I thought it was really fantastic. And I said, I think that I can play a role in what you're doing because I want to do more for the environment. And I was at a crossroads between going to law school or mm. going to work for this crazy artist who paints gigantic <laughs> and whales. And gorgeous murals. I've yeah. seen some of them. Wow. And so I thought I'll stick around here for a couple of months while I'm making my mind. And so now I've been here 20 years. I love that story. And thank you for sharing that. And two things really popped out for me. The first one was your story of going to the Sierra Nevadas from LA was a six hour road trip, but a complete world away yes. from what you were seeing the smog in the city to pristine lakes to where you could see the bottom. And just that idea of getting out of where you're getting out of the neighborhood and going to a different location really opened your eyes. And the entirety of your story, you had just mentioned connecting the dots. You are the picture of having connected the dots all the way back to being a kid and seeing the articles and the stories in in kid magazines of, wow, I really don't like seeing what I'm seeing about what's happening to the world. 
And now you run this foundation that is doing not just something, but a whole lot about it. That is terrific. So can I ask you to tell us a little bit about what the Weiland Foundation does? Well, the Weiland Foundation was started 25 years ago by Weiland, who your listeners, I'll describe him. He started painting life-size murals of marine life around the world at a time when the environmental movement was kind of on the wane. It was the 1980s, and he had Mm -hmm. gotten to art school and was looking to find himself came from Detroit to California and loved all the things that I was just talking about, Jacques Cousteau and Walt Disney and the things that fired our imaginations, right? And he just had a notion because he couldn't find a canvas big enough to truly represent how wonderful great whales really were. So through a lot of lobbying and effort, he found a mural in downtown Laguna Beach, which was an arts colony and still is. And he painted a uh, life-size gray whale and baby gray whale. Wow. And he had been to Laguna Beach as a kid. And like uh, my earlier impressions of the world, he had one too. He was swimming in the ocean for the first time on a family trip from Detroit here to LA to visit his aunt. And he was in the water and about 200 yards offshore Two breaching whales. And, you know, if, wow. if gray whales, as gray whales breach in a way that it's, they're not major breaches, but if you've never experienced anything like that, it, it really can change. That's, okay. Life. That's pretty close, though. If he's like 200 <laughs> yards from whales, yeah. that's pretty close. That's they, so they seldom cool. come in that close, but, but they did that day. And so he ended up painting not just one mural on the side of the building. He ended up painting a hundred in 17 countries wow. around the world wow. in, you know, bus stations, sports arenas, skyscrapers, you name it, Paris, New Zealand, Australia, Palau, Hawaii, all over the place. So he became kind of a Johnny Appleseed for That's fantastic. upstream about the impacts of our lives upstream and how they affect our neighbors downstream, which is not just people, but marine animals. Right. Whatever sure. we do upstream runs downstream. Yes, right? no, it does. <laughs> and it can lead to some problems. And so what we're all about is getting people to take action. They can be small actions, even if it's getting informed. That's also an action, reading a book and learning more. Better decision makers, you grow up. But the whole point of what the Wyland Foundation is to ensure the future of our ocean and our lakes, our rivers, our streams, and our wetlands. And that's to inspire people first, just like we've been talking about, like my experience and Wyland's experience. There are millions of other people who have similar experiences. Maybe their grandfather or grandmother took them fishing on the Ohio River. Yes. Maybe they grew up on the Chesapeake Bay. Maybe they live in Florida and It can be any sort of story, but that's what we're about, sharing those stories and making all of this mean something to everybody. And when we do that, and if we're informed and we're learning our lessons in school, studying science, and you'd be surprised the decisions that we can make can have a huge impact down the road. That's kind of what this is all about. So future generations can have those same opportunities 
to experience that sense of wonder I had in the high Sierras and that Wyland had when he first saw the ocean for the first time. We don't want those experiences to end. We want them to continue forever. The other benefits, our environment is healthy and functioning and the things that we right. get from the environment stay intact. And our we have fish, we have fisheries, we've got all sorts of biodiversity by that. I mean, different wild animals. And we don't want to lose those. We know that more than a million species on earth right now are facing extinction. Yes, unfortunately. I know. And a lot of that's going to happen in the next few decades. And, you know, we're dealing with a changing climate, which affects the ecosystem and the health of these animals that have been adapted for millions of years to a specific type of climate. And we see plastic pollution finding its way into the ocean. Yes. Yes. And sadly, we know that 90% of all seabirds have ingested plastic. So, you know, what we want to do is we want to inspire the teachers. We want to inspire the parents. It's not just the kids. We know that like this, this talk we're having right now, you know, this is three people who are getting inspired from each other. Yes. To tell their friends. And hopefully your listeners would be doing the same. Yeah. And you never know what spark is going to be that spark that sets something right. ablaze. Right. Yeah. So what the Wildland, the Wildland Foundation, we've got all sorts of programs. We've got a traveling clean water science center. It's it's over a thousand feet, square feet. And it's got, it rains inside this exhibit. What? It's a running river. There's a 40 person onboard movie theater. There's computer simulations where wow. kids can study how a lake region will change over 400 years. So it's all about water and it goes into schools all across the country. And we've had over a million kids go through that. Wow. And that's one of the things that we do. Yeah. So what I love too is, and we like to talk about this here is instead of just STEM, right? Your STEAM, you've brought the art. So Wyland was inspired by, you know, his experience in the ocean and whatever, and there's so many different ways he could have gone with it. But mm-hmm. what he did was he chose to express his love of the science through art. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, did he, he paints, does he also do sculpture? Like all of these other kinds of things that I think kids can relate to kids of all ages. Cause I know, I, I mean, I sketch very little, right. <laughs> but sometimes when you think about, think about what your talents are and how you can help. And maybe if art is your talent or speaking or whatever, then, you know, how do you think Wyland use that or how can you recommend kids use that to give themselves a voice? Yeah. And and Wyland was just like any other kid. He'd like to paint and he was born with a disability on his foot and he had to go through corrective surgeries like every year after school. Oh, wow. He'd go through a corrective surgery and he'd be, his foot would be in a cast all summer for 11 summers. Can you imagine? Wow. No. So, I, I had to wear a cast for like eight weeks. That was enough for my entire terrible, life. Right? Wow. <laughs> entire life. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So his brothers and his mom, they would go to the lake during the summer, but he couldn't swim. He couldn't go in pools. Wow. He he could draw. And so that's what he did. That's awesome. And, you know, when, when I'm talking to my kids, you know, they may say something like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good at art, dad. I'm not talented. And I think it's really important for kids to understand that it's not really about talent. 
it's about doing what you are excited about. Yes. And then, then, you know, Hey, if you become a great artist, that's awesome. But if you don't, you know, you loved drawing and that's the important thing. I was not very good at science. I was terrible, (laughs) but I love the environment. And so because I love the environment so much, I got good at science. Right. So I actually went back after college and I started taking classes wherever I could at community colleges. I would go to presentations and lectures and I just got into it. And then it all started making sense. The things that I just didn't have the time or the patience to understand when I was younger. Once I found that thing that was really important to me, like the environment, then it made it so much easier to learn about science. So that's kind of what we tell kids, like, forget about, quote, being an artist. And don't worry about if you have talent, just do it if you want to do it and you enjoy it. That's number one. And then things can have a way of taking care of themselves. Yes. So that's a big part of of what we stand for is opening that door, you know, to science, for instance, by just getting kids excited about art. You know, we encourage them to take that next step. If you love it, if you're inspired by it and you love the ocean and you want to paint it and you want to understand how it works and how it functions. Right. Right. That's where science starts to come in. So there's a lot of ways for kids to get involved. So I would never discourage anybody just because they think, oh, I, the other kids are smarter or they're they're better artists. And believe me, I have these conversations all the time with my kids. (laughs) It's only about the practice that you put in. It's about the passion that you have. Right. Exactly. Right. That, that's where it all starts. And we we don't want to discourage people from that. And Wyland's one of the first people, and I've seen this a hundred times when we're doing a painting project. He's not giving instruction on how to paint. He's giving them a canvas to paint on, which is a very different thing. Yes. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We can go to art school later, but right now it's just about <laughs> experimenting looking at wildlife in a different way and then expressing that using brushes and paint. And you come away with something like that with, you know, maybe a different appreciation and respect. Oh, I would think so. And I love how, as you're explaining it, I'm thinking how the art that kids love to do, whether they're good at it or not, can lead to questions about what they're creating art about. And this might be a little bit of a stretch, but from those first murals that he painted of whales to now having that thousand square foot traveling exhibit that you talked about, that rains has a running river and have has had a million kids go through it to take art to create this foundation that created this experience. Yeah. That type of experience is absolutely one of those things that could change lives and change somebody's direction. Yes, of course. I think that's really important now. Like I think a lot of kids feel like their lives are very structured and controlled and and they have to walk this certain path, but you can make anything you want out of your life, you know? And if you can 
you know, find things that you enjoy and love, you'd be surprised how far you can take something like that. I didn't expect to be doing this necessarily. I was just going to say, said the gentleman (laughs) who picked this over law school. Yeah. So, you know, I think I'm pretty lucky. And I think the people I work with are amazing. And we love it. We have a lot of fun, too. I mean, even when it gets hard, it doesn't seem quite like work, you know. That's the best kind of job, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, Uh, people have called us kind of the traveling circus of the environment. (laughs) (laughs) We do have a lot of fun with it. And when we do public events, you know, Wyland would paint. And when I started with him, he would just hand me a microphone and say, go talk to, go say something. (laughs) And I would kind of turn and I'd say, who, me? And, you know, that's kind of how all this you know, was born. That's what I was going to ask you about. So I saw that you do public art events and you do other programs. So tell us about a couple of the other programs that you have. Uh, we're in the middle of one right now. It's the Wyland National Art and Classroom Mural Challenge, which is something wow. we're really particularly proud of because sounds exciting. entire classrooms can participate in this and wow. we'll send out uh, 50 square foot canvases to classrooms and they can pick cool. a topic about lakes or rivers or streams or the environment or how much they love whales or how concerned they are for sea dense- turtles. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so you can go either way with it and it can be a research project. But at the end of the day, it's about everybody coming together and expressing themselves wow. in a collaboration mural, which is a really powerful thing. The murals that Wyland did are really messages to people that you know there's much more to this world than you can see with from the city right even from the edge of a beach right um, you can't see down what's going on in the ocean yeah and so the the art challenge is a great way for kids who may not think that they're talented but they're probably not giving themselves enough credit because we get these beautiful beautiful murals but it's a way to work together and then we also have part of that includes an individual our challenge too. So, so kids of all ages are encouraged to submit their artwork to us. And we give away scholarships and cash prizes and arts wow. And wow. For classrooms. And yeah, super neat. And then we do something called the National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation. And we have a thousand mayors across the US from some of the biggest cities too. And Whoa. They inspire all their residents to make water conservation pledges and do volunteer wow. projects in communities for water. And then the residents, if they make the most pledges, we will donate a Toyota Highlander hybrid to a deserving charity in their in their a city. Car? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's terrific. How do, how do we sign up for that one, Jeff? That sounds fun. <laughs> you know. We're gonna have to do a project, Jen. Do a there project. You go. Yep. Clean up a beach or something. But oh, uh, we, we that's how it works. We kind of spread the love around. That's and then fantastic. we do park projects. So we're doing makeover projects for uh local parks. And showing people the benefits of, you know, climate-friendly plants and right. special kinds of pavers where the water can seep through and recharge the groundwater, yep. which right. is very important. And there's more, but <laughs> <laughs> of course, it is quite a foundation. We're small, but we have, you know, friends and volunteers all around the United States. And we love working with kids. When they come in our clean water center, 
I just couldn't imagine a better job. That sounds terrific. Before we get started, as I was looking around the Weiland Foundation website, I did notice sort of your mission statement, and it hit me so much that I wrote it down. Bring people together for clean water and a healthy ocean. Mm -hmm. And I love how simple, straightforward, and how interconnected that one statement makes all of the water on the planet sound. A healthy ocean, not that there are different oceans, and it just sounds like it makes you think that all of the water on the planet is interconnected because it is. We had been talking for years about this, and Wyland and I were came to the agreement that if we were really going to save the whales, we can't do it on a boat. You have to do it upstream where people are, right. get their attention, and have them understand that they're all part of the health of our oceans, no matter where they live. And that's been proven too, because what happened early on was was we noticed these dead zones that were appearing every season right. in right. the Gulf of Mexico. And some of these were as big as the state of Connecticut, right? But those are all a function of what's happening upstream, you know, how much fertilizer is getting into the water, right. pesticides, detergents, all these things that we use. And, you know, it's understandable. These aren't bad things per se. People need to do laundry. People want to take care of their, their lawn. Of right. And we need to grow food. So it's just a matter of how much we're putting in these these systems. And what happens is they're just overloaded. It's right. it's not necessarily yes. a bad thing, but it's too much. And that's what people I think need to realize now because it's, it's not the same as when I was a kid and you could see the sludge pouring out of a pipe directly from a factory and say that's the problem right there. Now the problems are so big that we need to understand the science behind it. Yes. You need to understand how, to put that. how that works in order to be able to address the problems because we can't see them directly, at least not in the way we used to. Back when I was a kid, we came pretty darn close to solving a lot of those problems with the sludge and the pipe because the government created something called the Clean Water Act. Right. Yeah. And really shut down a lot of that. But now we have more people in the world and we have we're consuming more resources or using more resources, and there's a price to pay for that. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a scary thing, but it has to be something that we pay attention to on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction too, because if you're too scared to do anything, nothing's going to get done. So we are pretty firm in our beliefs that there are solutions. And going back to what you were saying, Jeff, if we can bring people together and inspire them and get them informed and have them take specific actions that can improve the health of our of our waterways and that will benefit our oceans too. Yes. So, Excellent goal. Yes, exactly. And again, I love how you've tied this all together with art and the action of doing something. To me, science in action is, books are amazing. And I mean, I write science books, so please read science books <laughs> for kids. But I think doing something and taking action is even more exciting. And that 
that that will get kids and people of all ages, because that's what we want, people of all ages, interested in helping the world's oceans. But now, like, this has been a great talk here, but we've reached the part in the show where we ask you for the challenge. And I'm very curious what your challenge is going to be for our listeners, Steve. Okay. My challenge is going to be go online. I'm going to tell this is for your listeners. I want you to go online, find your house. Ooh. And then okay. when you found your house, I want you to find the nearest creek or stream. Ah. Okay. And okay. And I want you to trace that stream with your finger and follow that stream and find out where the next largest stream or river is and then follow that on its way to the ocean. Oh. And okay. see how far you live from the ocean and what rivers and streams closest to your house can basically if you had to follow a piece of trash or a gum wrapper or okay on a paper how would it get to the ocean and then if you can do that you can start to understand how pollution makes its way to the ocean and how that affects the health of our animals out there oh i like that that. i'm definitely doing that i'm in colorado so I can't wait to do this. Uh, mine's a little easier. I'm in Florida. The ocean's about six miles that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's really cool because I grew up in Illinois. Yep. So for me, we had a creek in our backyard and we used to actually kind of follow it. I live in a very small town. So I think one day or one weekend, we like, you know, followed it all the way around our town. But I think that's a great challenge for kids. And then maybe... Once you see it on the paper, go walk and take a look at it visually and see what it looks like. And Google Earth is great for that. You can even, you can set a pin and it can actually map it out for you. But it's really interesting to see your perspective from where you live and your relationship to the ocean. And the point is that we all play a role in it. And I think if everybody can understand that, I think that can change the way you act, the impacts that you have on water systems. It's a simple thing, but that kind of knowledge and perspective can really change the future. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. This has been a fantastic talk, Steve. We've learned so much about the ocean and what you guys are all doing. Thank you so much for being on Solve for Kids. Thank Thank you, Steve. Jennifer. All right. Good luck with everything you guys are doing and Go Oceans. (laughs) We were both right. It is a great day to talk about the oceans and helping the oceans. And Steve's challenge of tracing water from your house, getting it all the way out to the ocean. I've never even thought about doing that before. And I am a kind of a map geek. So I am already imagining (laughs) how I'm going to be using Google Maps with my daughter Zoe and figuring out where the water from our house in Colorado Springs makes its way to the ocean. What about you, Jennifer? Oh, absolutely. Although I have to say the ocean's about six miles, you know, that way from my house. So it's it's a rather quick, you know, quick trip (laughs) here in Florida. You know what I might do? Because I grew up in central Illinois and we had creeks Ah. running through our backyard. Now, and I used to chase those creeks all the time, like sure. you know, follow them all around the town. 
that might be fun to map out and figure out how that gets into, I'm assuming the Illinois River and then all the way down to the ocean. But whatever you guys do, if you guys do this, be sure to share it with yes. us. We'd love to hear from you. We are at KidSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out our website. We are SolveForKids.com, where we'll have more information about Steve, about the Wyland Foundation. And also, we have a recommended book list for anybody who wants to learn more because books are a great business. Absolutely. And listeners, please just remember, this isn't to wander from your house down to the ocean. Do this <laughs> at home on your computer and use some maps. Until next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve, Solve It for, for Kids. kids.